Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. As per usual, before we begin our time together, I want to take a moment to let you know a bit of what's coming up in our community. This week, our youth pastor, Devin Snellgrove, is starting our final series from Philippians titled Gospel Mission. And coming up on site next weekend, we have another Southview Social. So when you come to your service, we're asking that you bring either baking from your home country or something that you grew up making or eating. And these times are great to get to know one another a little bit and, of course, eat delicious food. And so we hope you can join us. Also, on November 19th, we have our Newcomer's Lunch. This is a free event for people that are new to our church family and want to find out more about who we are as a church. And it's a great opportunity not only to meet the pastoral staff team, but also to meet others that are new to Southview as well. You can register on Realm or through our website. The best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint, and you can find a link to our viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast, or you can go on Realm and join the group Southview Family Updates, and that will make sure that you're always getting the weekly viewpoint in your inbox. And if you're new with us here in this digital space, we'd love to hear from you. You can find an online connection card at the bottom of that viewpoint, along with a prayer request form so that we can support and join you in prayer. Additionally, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. But now today, no matter how you're joining with us, may each of our hearts be open and expectant. Because God is here, and Jesus invites us to bring all that we are and all that we're currently carrying to him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's seek the face of God together. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11, reading from NIV. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks that, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in the regard to the Lord, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want you to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Praise the Lord. Well, hello, everyone. Hopefully you've had a wonderful day. I know I sure have. 
Well, for those of you who might not know who I am, my name is Devin, and I serve in our student ministries here at Southview. It's my blessing and honor to share from God's word with you today. Over the fall, we've been working through the letter of Philippians. And even though it's a small letter, it's only four chapters, it's a small little book in the New Testament, it's one that we've had a lot to learn from, a lot that we can unpack together as we've been doing it over several months. Now, last week, Sam wrapped up our Gospel Citizens series. And in doing that, that means today we get to start a new one. And this is the final series in our, in our time in Philippians. So this will carry on for Philippians 3 and Philippians 4 together. And it's called Gospel Mission. So what is the Gospel Mission? Well, simply put, it's accepting this unstoppable gospel, the good news of Jesus or the gospel of Jesus, and coming to realize that it's in momentum, it's happening, it's moving, it's working in people's lives, it's working in our lives, and it's transformed many people, and it'll continue to transform people until Christ returns. And once we've received that gospel in our lives, we become gospel citizens, which we just spent a few weeks learning on, and it's through our faith in Jesus Christ, that we uh, continue on as gospel citizens. We are a part of God's kingdom, and we are his sons and his daughters. As a part of this kingdom, we are to live in humility and be looking for those opportunities to serve one another. Now, as Sam said last week, not in grand $100 bill ways, but in small quarter-sized ways each and every single day. And when we live committed to this gospel as gospel citizens, we are then taking part in the gospel mission. It all builds off of each other. And it is our role to be active participants in the gospel mission. So thank you to our reader who read our passage for today, Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11. And this passage has one big point that Paul is trying to communicate. And it's this. There is nothing of more worth or significance than Christ Jesus himself. Whatever you considered to be important or necessary before you came to Christ should now not even compare to knowing him and being in relationship with Jesus. And as I was working through this idea, I had one question pop to mind, and I want to share it with you. It says, Have you ever had something that you once valued as important, so something that you once saw in your life that was a gain, but over time you realized that it was actually a loss? So over time it became a loss to you. And some of you might already be like, yep, I have that. And you're like, I don't get this question at all. It's a little abstract. So a couple of examples that I have for you today is just a few I thought of as I was wrestling with this question. So for some people, what brand of car that they own is very important. I have known full families that are like, we are a Honda family, or we are a Ford family, or we're a Subaru family, or insert whatever car brand that that family loves. And they live committed to the brand. They talk about how it's dependable, it's reliable, it's cheap to fix, it's great gas economy. And for them, it's a gain. They look at this car and it's like, this is everything. But the issue with that is all brands of cars have seasons of being great, reliable vehicles and seasons of not being so great or reliable based on decisions that they make at manufacturing. 
So what happens when that vehicle then hits that season where things are lower? Well, then it becomes a loss to the family, and maybe someone in the family buys a different brand, and then everyone's questioning, you know, are they actually loyal to the brand? And it's because they're not. What was once a gain to them became a loss. Now, maybe you're not a car person, and I understand. So what about hairstylists or barbers? I mean, I don't have a ton of experience with this, but I have heard that when you find a good hairstylist or a good barber, that you, they become like your person. You, you stick with them, you're loyal to them, you use them because every time you go to see them, you leave feeling that extra bit confident because they've helped just make your appearance that much better. But then, you know, you go, you see them that one time, they go, I want to try something new. And you're like, oh no, this is not going to go well. Now, luckily for me, there's not much new you can do with my hair. But for other people, you can get to those points where it's like, oh no, this is horrible. Now I have to wait for like three, four weeks for it to grow back out. And probably that next time, you're not going to go to that hairstylist. What you once saw as a gain is now a loss. And maybe if you're like me and you cut your own hair because there's not much there, for most of us, we went to some type of post-secondary school, whether college, university, and while you're there, you pick a major. And that major you pick because it's going to be a gain to your life. It's going to be a gain to your career. But then you get a little bit into your studies and you realize that major is not for you. And you shift to a different major. So what was once a gain you would see as a loss if you continued down that path. And the list goes on. There are tons of things in our lives that we see once as gains and become losses over season. But the reality is the physical and the material things that we value or see as a gain in our lives can at some points become a loss. And sometimes we experience that willingly, but then other times it's through painful wrestling with God. But Paul says, whatever God asks us to give up will be seen as a small comparison to the ultimate gain that we get through a relationship with Jesus. So for our text today, I wanted to just highlight three verses for us instead of going through all 11 because there's so much in there and so much to unpack. But these three summarize everything super well. So I encourage you, open up your Bibles, open up your Bible app on your phone, Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 7 through 9. And I want to read them again for us. And let's remember, this is the word of God. So starting in verse 7, it says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So I wanted to walk through these three verses over our time together, and we're going to look at them each just kind of one, seven, eight, and then nine. So verse seven, I'm going to read it again quickly. It's a short one. It says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. Now there's a lot going on in this sentence. And see, in the verses before, Paul is speaking to an issue that is happening in the church of Philippi. There were a group of Jewish believers that were teaching the Gentiles, who are non-Jewish people, that they must do certain steps to become Jewish in order to have a relationship with God. And there was this confusion going on in the church because of it. 
And the main tension that these teachers were sharing is that they must be circumcised in order to have a relationship with God. Now, in the Old Testament, the circumcision was a sign of being Jewish, and it was a part of God's covenant with Israel that set the nation apart as God's people. So you can see where they come to that conclusion based on that. But Jesus' death brought in a new covenant. The terms changed. It was not based on works. It was based on faith. Where the new marker is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that set God's people apart. But these false teachers that Paul was referencing were still trying to enforce this law of circumcision, still trying to make it a requirement of salvation. And they were creating a roadblock to what salvation actually was. And this is why Paul says that it's more important to serve God, to have faith, to gain Christ than these other aspects. Paul's saying that boasting the gain and the desire of serving God and being committed to Christ is what's important, not the circumcision. But now here's the, here's the thing, though. When Paul was writing this letter, he wasn't just writing it to the Gentiles who were confused. He was writing it to the whole church of Philippi. So there would have been those who thought differently, that thought circumcision was a part of it, that were hearing this message as well. And that is why Paul takes time in verses 4 through 6 to kind of lay out his resume of his worldly and religious qualifications. And he has a pretty good resume. He calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews. He says, when it comes to following the law, he's a Pharisee. And he mentions comparing himself to having righteousness through the acts of the law. He was faultless. So that's a pretty big claim. And as the people were hearing this message, hearing this, they were looking at it and going, wow, this Paul guy, he's the goat. He's the greatest. He's, he's, he's like the Hebrew of Hebrews. He's got it all there. And then Paul says in verse 7, whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost. He spent three verses hyping himself up, explaining why if anyone could boast in their own actions, it was Paul. And he says, but that's nothing. It's all a loss. In fact, Paul thinks that if that was all that he had was just this resume, he would consider that a loss in life. He would rather have a relationship with God than that resume that made him the Hebrew of Hebrews. And what Paul is relaying here is that having a relationship with Christ is so important. It's so significant. It's of so much value to him that all the best credentials in the world wouldn't compare to being known as a follower of Christ. And this is how much Paul valued his relationship with God. This is how much he wanted the Philippians to value their relationship with God. And it's how much he wants us to value our relationship with God. It should be first. It should be most important. True gain in this world is our relationship with Christ. Now, Paul continues to develop this in the next verse. So verse 8, I want to read it for us. It says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. 
Over Paul's life, over his time as a follower of Jesus, he's compared everything to Jesus. He's thought it through. He says, what's more important, this or Jesus, this or Jesus? And he's compared it. And from the moment in Acts 9 where Paul becomes a Christian and he commits his life to God, he realizes there's nothing more important than having that relationship with Jesus. His status and his position amongst the Jewish synagogues, he throws away so he could be closer to Jesus. His citizenship as a Roman citizen, instead of using it as a one-up in life to get out of situations and to get into something that could set him up for something good, he used it so he could go to cities easily to share the gospel, to share the good news, to challenge people in their relationship with God, to start churches. He threw all the stuff that he had away. You can really tell that if it was if it wasn't going to deepen his relationship with Jesus or help the gospel mission move forward, then he didn't want to be a part of it. He said he counted it as nothing. Actually worse, he called it garbage. Paul's eyes were set on Christ. He was fully committed to living out the gospel every day. No matter how hard it was, because there was nothing better than having a relationship with Jesus. There's nothing more important than living for him. Now, I don't think that this message here is telling us that we need to throw away our jobs sell, and, like, and become people that run around and share the gospel. It's not saying that. What Paul's trying to get us to understand is that we are to value Christ above all the credentials we'll earn in this life. We're to value Christ above all the things that we'll ever own. Christ needs to be the most important thing in our lives. Because when we identify as gospel citizens, we can live on mission for Christ in his kingdom. And we're active participants in the gospel mission. And this brings us to this last verse, verse 9. It says, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Now this verse starts partway through a sentence. Verse 8 starts it off. He says that he wants to gain Christ. And then he says he wants to be found in him. But what does that mean? And that is shown in the rest of verse 9. Not having righteousness through his actions and following the law, but having righteousness that comes from salvation. And this was a big issue for them back then. This was a big thing. There were tons of Christians that were struggling with this ideology. They believed that they needed to do something. Their actions mattered to their own righteousness. Their actions mattered to their own relationship with God. And they believed that their actions of following the law would help make them right with God. That was how the Old Testament was set up. So it makes sense that there's this confusion. They were to follow the law, and if you messed up, you brought a sacrifice at the cost of yourself, and you gave it to God, apologizing for what you had done, but then also bringing it as a way of atoning for that sin. Then you would go out, and you would follow the law to the best of your ability. But the issue with that kind of righteousness is that no one could follow the law perfectly. No one. There was only one person in the whole history of humanity that did and that was Jesus Christ. That is what Paul is getting at in this section of the letter. 
We'll never get into the right relationship with God by our own efforts, by our own strengths, by our own doing. It's not based on obedience to the law. It's not achieved by great acts or good deeds. The righteousness that we receive is given to us by God. When we put our faith in Jesus and allow his perfect righteousness to cover us, it's a gift of grace that we receive. And a gift is something that you don't pay for. People in the church of Philippi were desperately trying to earn their own righteousness. So Paul challenges them to shift that thinking from, I can earn it myself, to I'm receiving this from our great and mighty king. And if we're being honest with ourselves, it's still a challenge for us today. I mean, if you're anything like me as a person, there'll be a number of times where you feel like you're not good enough to come before God or that you haven't done enough or there's more you could do. You feel like, I'm just not, I'm not good enough yet. I'm not there. I'm not right. And if you think that wrongfully, and I'm right there with you, I think that tons of times and I have to check myself constantly. The issue with doing that is what it does is it separates you from God. Because what you need the most in those moments when you feel low, when you feel like you're struggling, is you need Jesus. But if you feel like because of those weaknesses, you can't come close to him, then you're keeping him away from you. But we need Christ. He's the gain in this world. Don't push him away. We can't gain righteousness in our own strength. If we could, Jesus wouldn't have had to have died on the cross. But he did. He intervened on our behalf. So Paul knew this, and that's why he reminded the Philippians of it. And he challenged them to stop trying to gain righteousness through any way except through faith in Jesus Christ. But this faith isn't just something that we can know. It's not just something that we get in our head. It's something that's supposed to impact our heart. It's supposed to change us. It's supposed to transform us. We're supposed to be renewed in this day in and day out. It's a process. And we go through it with the help of the Holy Spirit as it empowers us to overcome overcome sin, to, to live each day closer for him, for Jesus. This is how Paul lived. He wasn't perfect. He made his mistakes. But this is the challenge that he laid out for us. In order for us to truly get there, we have to learn, like Paul did, that the greatest gain we can have in life is the gain that we get through more of Jesus. So in thinking of application, how can we unfold this in our time together? And I have one application question for you. The question is, is there anything holding you back from gaining more of Christ. Now, there can be a large number of things that hold you back. And I just want to share the two most common ones that I've seen, experienced, and heard over my time in ministry. The first one is how you use your time. Now, we live in an era and a time where being busy is the common. We're all busy. We have schedules. We follow our schedules. I would forget half the things I'm supposed to do if I didn't have it in my calendar because of how busy we are. But here's the problem. If we fill all of this time, even with the best things possible, if, if Jesus isn't a part of your regular rotation, 
If he isn't a part of your regular routine, then you're not gaining enough Christ in your life. He's not going to work. You're not going to be able to work. And you got you to have that closeness, that connection. It's important. So in order for your relationship to God to be a priority, God needs to be a priority in your time and how you manage it as well. Now, I'm not saying this from a place of perfection. And if you don't believe me, you can ask my wife. There's lots of room for improvement in myself. But as I've walked through my relationship with God and as I learn and grow and I allow Christ to work in me day in and day out, what I realize is as I get closer to him, I desire, I need, and I want more of Jesus. So yeah, my schedule, it still needs more of Jesus' time in it. And I think it's always going to need more. And I think that's important to realize that, but then to also keep adding it little by little each and every single day. So assess your schedules. Assess how you spend your time. And if God's not a part of that regular routine, start small. Add it in a little bit at a time. Because even if you go from, I open my Bible once to I've opened my Bible twice a week, that's a 100% improvement from the week before. So do small changes that will help become part of your regular routine to grow closer to him, to make room and space to gain more of Christ. And the second area is sin. Sin loves to get in the way. It loves to interfere. But a part of gaining Christ is realizing the sin that's in the way. How do we deal with it, though? We pray about it. We bring it to Jesus. And that's the beauty of God's grace, is we have forgiveness for our sin. And God wants us to bring it to him. Think of Romans 3.23, where we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's why Jesus intervened. That's why he is there. So as you grow closer with him, as you gain more, you're going to realize sin in your life that needs to be dealt with. Bring it to him. Ask him to transform you. Ask him to work in your life. Because it's Christ that's going to help get that sin out. It's the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's not going to be in your deeds. We all have sin. It's a part of being human. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus died for our sin. So that while we are still sinners, we can have that relationship and that closeness with him. And when things get tough, that's when you need God all the more. Now, I know this isn't easy. That's why we're not doing it in our own strength. This journey of faith is done by gaining Christ more and more each and every single day. So let's be people that look to Christ and desire more of him in our lives each and every day. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God that intervenes, that you are a God that is there, that is present. And God, I pray that we just desire more of you that we will gain more of Christ in our actions and in our behaviors. And I pray that as we do that, you'll continue to transform us. Pray this in your great and heavenly name. Amen. So now we get to come to the high point of our service. We come to communion. And I encourage you now, take your cups, peel it back, open it up, get that part out of the way.
And as you open up both the bread and the juice, in light of what we've just learned together, we can actually come to this time of communion as a celebration. Because when we come to the table, we gain all the more. This bread, this cup represents Jesus' death on the cross. This bread is his body that's broken for us. And this cup is his blood poured out for us. And we get to celebrate that. So I want to give you guys a moment before we take the elements together, a moment just in silent prayer to thank God for all the things that he's done for you. Thank him for what you've gained through having relationship with him. And then I'll wrap us up with a prayer. So I'll give you a few minutes to do that now. And Father, we pray and we thank you for this spiritual food. May we receive and be reminded of your great work in our lives. May we be forever changed by gaining Christ. Amen. So this is Christ's body broken for us. Let's take and receive. And this is Christ's blood shed for us. Let's take and receive. Thank you for joining us today. And although our time of service is coming to an end, our time of worship is not. I encourage you to be in community, be out in the cardo, visit, connect with someone that you haven't seen in a while or someone that you've never met before. Don't worry, we're all the body of Christ. No one's scary. But would you stand and join me in a closing word of benediction? I want to reread Philippians 3, verse 8 for us. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Father, may we continue in our journeys to pursue Christ, knowing that deepening our relationship with him will be more than worth it. And God, we pray that you will bring the right people into our lives to help us along in that journey. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great week. Go in peace.